Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, Atlassian software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to the Property Pod's Office Hours. This is the part of the show where we answer questions about business, big tech, entrepreneurship, and whatever else is on your mind. If you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at propertymedia.com. Again, that's officehours at propertymedia.com. First question. Hey, Scott. This is Sean from Seattle. Love the podcast. Thank you so much for taking my question. I recently fielded offers from Amazon and Meta and got into a debate with friends around which was less ethically problematic. Given the contentious business practices and societal implications associated with both companies, do you truly believe there is a distinction in choosing one over the other for ethical reasons? Can someone really sleep better at night choosing to work at one big tech company over another? We'd love to hear your insight. Uh, Sean, this is the mother of all good problems. And so let me be clear, both firms from an employee perspective are great firms. I would say somewhere, probably a third of my kids, when I say my kids, my students, uh, would go to work for big tech. And at one point, 20% were going to Amazon. And the people I know that went to Amazon described it as intense, unforgiving, and very rewarding. Uh, Meta has a fantastic reputation in terms of how they treat their employees. They pay them really well, a lot of investments in human capital, around the ethics. Um, I think your first priority is to develop economic security for you and your family. And I think big tech is good for the world. I think if we had a button we could press and make big tech vanish, we would not push that button, that we are net gainers from big tech. The problem is with the word net, and that is we're net gainers from pesticides, we're net gainers from fossil fuels, I still believe, but we choose to have emission standards and an EPA. I would argue at this point, at this point, Meta is probably a net negative, whether it's teen suicide, self-harm, self-cutting among girls, election misinformation. I mean, these guys really are mendacious fox. And Amazon might be mendacious fox, but the implications of that are monopoly abuse and small retailers go out of business and bigger retailers or great employers might have gone, gone out of business faster than they otherwise would have. But they're not spreading uh, conspiracy theory. They're not, they're not spreading anti-vax information. And some of it might not be that they're, the people are any less or more ethical. It's that they're just in different businesses. So if you really... If you really got to the point where it was came down to who was less bad or more ethical, I would say you'd probably choose Amazon just by virtue of the fact that they're in the business of e-commerce and cloud versus uh, media. Having said that, 
I think most likely you should probably make the decision based on what's best for you personally. Do you want to live in Seattle? Do you want to live in the Bay Area? Uh, where do you think you'll have senior level sponsorship? Where do you have a better rapport or relationship, do you believe, uh, currently, or that you'll develop with who you'll be reporting into? What does the career path look like at each organization? I find with decisions like this, uh, you don't want to listen to a podcaster that is yours truly. You want to build a kitchen cabinet of people and say, okay, these are the offers. This is the opportunity. This is the division. You know, what What do you think? And then at the end of the day, you'll probably ignore all those decisions and just go with your gut and make your original decision. So these are personal decisions. I would say the quote unquote ethical stuff, if you will, is a tiebreaker. Uh, unless it's something that really weighs on you. Corporate America, these are platforms for making profits, and folks in the media and people such as myself, I think, play a role in holding them accountable and trying to urge our elected officials to uh, put in place the regulations such that there's guardrails around these companies. But at the end of the day, they are going to do whatever increases their profits, full stop. That's just what they do. But anyways, like I said, let me end where I began. This is a great problem. Congratulations to you. Offers from Amazon and uh, Meta. Jesus. Jesus, man. Good luck to you. That's fantastic. Question number two. Hey, Scott. My co-founders and I started a company in a niche industry known as computational chemistry that accelerates pharmaceutical R&D. We've had some good success with our 1.0 and successive versions, both within this niche as well as expanding this niche to more users who traditionally don't use these types of tools. We're now about to launch a new version of our product, and although the use cases will be the same, we were wondering, should we evolve our existing branding with a 2.0 tag showing progression, or introduce a completely new brand name? In a sector that's both niche and on the cusp of broader reach, how should companies strike the balance between legacy and innovation in their product branding? What are the implications of these choices on market perception and accessibility? Love the show. Thanks so much. Okay, let me get this. You are the co-founder of a company in computational chemistry that accelerates pharmaceutical R&D. So, okay, if you didn't leave your name, but if you call me and the terms aren't outrageous, I'll put 100 or 250 grand into this thing. I don't even know what you're doing in computational chemistry that accelerates pharmaceutical R&D. That just sounds like Benjamin's. That sounds like I'm hanging out with Benjamin after you work your ass off for five years and sell to Pfizer or Novartis or Moderna or something. Anyways, these are, again... We should brand today's office hours as the mother of all good problems. Okay, generally speaking, um, I have a bias here, and that is the vast majority, the vast majority of incremental revenues at a consumer company are from brand extensions, not new brands. What is a rookie move? A rookie move to practice unsafe corporate sex. What do I mean by that? A rookie move is to say, we need a new brand. Everybody wants to have kids, right? Everyone wants to have unsafe sex. And I get that. I get that. But here's the bottom line. Diet Coke sold about 20 or 30x what Tab was going to sell or any new soft drink that Coca-Cola has come up with. Brand extensions are the way to go. Unless it's so different, right, um, that it really doesn't make sense and you need a new name, then, okay, Dayton Hudson is actually kind of a nice higher-end department store similar to a Macy's, and they launched this big box retailer that's more focused on 
kind of Walmart low prices with a little bit of flair and a, a bulldog with a bullseye on it. Okay, that's Target, and we shouldn't call it Dayton Hudson's Target. Old Navy is Gap at 80% of the quality, 50% of the price. So it's Gap's Old Navy, then Old Navy by Gap, and then Old Navy on its own. I, I find in almost every situation, until a brand gets to about a few hundred million, sometimes even a billion in sales, or a company gets to that level, there's no reason to start having unsafe sex because every new brand is a mouth to feed. It has a new marketing department, new logo, new design, new pricing, new channel strategy. So unless it's a different, unless it's a distinct product with a different customer set or a different value proposition, I say go with 2.0 or maybe even, maybe not even changing the name, just updating it. Anyways, thanks for the question. We have one quick break before our final question. Stay with us. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. Question number three. Hi, Scott. My name is Jeannie, and I am a middle-aged marketer and mother here in the Boston area. Um, specifically, my question is about my own child, who's a 21-year-old male who is uh, impacted, let's say, quite negatively from the isolation uh, resulting from the lockdowns for COVID-19 and has um, found his way back to college after doing some other work. He has also found his way to a lot of conspiracy theories and really is is diving into those deeply. And I know part of that is because of his underdeveloped um, frontal lobe and still trying to seek answers and um, trying to figure things out. But my question to you is, how do I uh, help him see things rationally and guide him as to, you know, what these conspiracy theories are and why they're attractive and maybe why they're wrong and when, how to, how to assess things from a, an analytical and um, perspective of, of logic. Anyway, I'm rambling. Thank you so much. Uh, keep up the good work. Gene from the Boston area. I just did something for the first time, and that is I paused um, the show here so I could go 
do a bit of research. I think when you're talking about your son and conspiracy theories and parenting around this, I think one, I think this is so important and so sensitive. And two, I have so little domain expertise here that I wanted to do just a bit of research before spouting off here. And I went to the Anti-Defamation League's um, site and looked up some information on conspiracy theories. So what are conspiracy theories? They explain various events uh, caused by powerful people, uh, usually that they're being you know, manipulated by powerful people behind the scenes, and they reject the established and accepted narratives. Uh, why are they dangerous? They undermine trust in institutions. They can sow division, more polarization. They demonize uh, marginalized groups, and they can also uh, be used to justify uh, violence and persecution of people. Now, why do we get drawn into conspiracy theories? What, a feeling of belonging. Communities develop online. Uh, they've run rampant because conspiracy, nothing loves a conspiracy theory like the algorithm from Meta because they're compelling, they're novel. Lies and conspiracy are interesting stories. The truth is usually a little bit more boring, right? The fact that uh, Bill Gates might be um, implanting something in you via the vaccine such that he can track your every movement. That's kind of an interesting sci-fi story. Should they be stamped out? No. It, the dissenter's voice is important. The problem is, is that the dissenter's voice or the conspiracy theorist gets more sunlight and attention than they would organically because Meta just loves a conspiracy theory and will start sending out this content and elevating it. And the more times you see something, the more likely you are to believe that there's more veracity there or that it's less crazy. Uh, so people get drawn into these things uh, for the need of belonging and a need to feel good about themselves. They include kind of a sense of superiority that I'm in the know. And, um, and what to do uh, as a parent. So according to the Anti-Defamation League, uh, it's, it's good to just understand the conspiracy theories and understand their origins. Do not be dismissive of your son's belief in these conspiracy theories. And what I have found, and I think this is true and you can relate to this, Gene, as a parent, is the moment you, as the mom, try and talk your son out of something, they get entrenched in that belief. Uh, you're supposed to encourage critical thinking by asking open-ended questions, like why do you think the government would want to you know, inject something that alters people's DNA? Why do you think Democrats would want to have a pedophile ring in the basement of a pizza shop? Like, you know, just kind of ask questions or what do you think is going on here? And and try not to be judgmental. Obviously, prioritize the person's health, safety, and well-being and provide help if needed. And do not cut the person out of your life. Like, I cannot, I cannot have a son in my life that believes you know, in QAnon or whatever it, it might be, that doesn't help either. I think it's sort of accepting them. I find with stuff like this, when I'm interviewing someone that just says what I think are as just absolute falsehoods, I try and give them the benefit of the doubt and just keep asking them questions and let them arrive hopefully at their own conclusions. But I just want to say, Gene, I can't imagine how upsetting this is. Something that really rattles me. And it's, it's a huge disappointment, even though I know why it's happening. My boys don't come to me for advice. I, I, I get, I'm not exaggerating. I get hundreds, sometimes thousands of people coming to me for advice like you are about uh, raising kids. I get a ton of young men from the ages of like literally eight to 48 uh, emailing me and texting me and asking me for advice. But my 13-year-old still does kind of seek my advice mostly around business. But quite frankly, my 16-year-old just isn't interested in what I think. And 
I, I think some of this is ego speaking, but it's really hurtful to me. It upsets me that he doesn't come to me and want to know what I think about stuff or, or ask for my advice or help on anything. And, um, and what I've realized is that, and I trust you realize this, is that it's important for kids to strike out on their own and separate from the pack, if you will, and separate from the parents. And they literally have a hormone and an instinct that says, I need to reject some of the basic principles of my parents and rebel such that I develop the skills to go on my own. And, you know, a more thoughtful and evolved father would say it's important that I embrace or let my son lean into his separation. But I got to be honest, it's really upsetting to me. And I got to imagine also it's got to be really upsetting for you to have your son, you know, and my guess is like most kids, he's probably a good kid, sort of embrace this stuff. I find that big tech is responsible for a lot of it. And uh, I don't think there's a quick fix here. And I think there's more of it. Uh, so again, I, I just want to express empathy that I think this must be very upsetting. Uh, two, I think you have to continue to embrace your son, ask questions, try and understand why he thinks this. Obviously, view, voice your viewpoint, but engage with him as opposed to shame him and kind of hope for the best here. Uh, and to also understand that some of this is just a healthy, natural pulling away. So I want to send you to uh, adl.org slash conspiracy dash theories. But again, Gene, let me just end where I started. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I think this has got to hurt. And to the fact that you're obviously a very loving mother and that you're engaged in your son's life uh, just means that um, this and other problems have a better chance of working out because your son has something that I find is the key to success, and that is that he has someone irrationally passionate about his well-being. Uh, thanks for the call. Thanks for the question. That's all for this episode. If you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at propgymedia.com. Again, that's officehours at propgymedia.com. This episode was produced by Caroline Shagrin. Jennifer Sanchez is our associate producer, and Drew Burrows is our technical director. Thank you for listening to the Prop G Pod from the Vox Media Podcast Network. We will catch you on Saturday for No Mercy, No Malice, as read by George Hahn, and on Monday with our weekly market show. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.